0: Seventh day Baptists tonight. No, we're not voting on that. Uh, We aren't going there. And uh, there's a reason why we are not going there. And uh, we're seeking to find that answer in the Word of God. And uh, it was interesting to me as I as I told you I'd never known there was there was such a group as Seventh-day Baptists. I always knew of Seventh-day Adventists and uh, had had discussions with them. But I had never in my life, that I recall, talked with a Seventh-day Baptist. And I'm still waiting to meet one, actually, but I don't really care if I do or not, I guess. Uh, because uh, we are not one of those, but we do need to know what we believe in regard to the Christian and the law. What is the responsibility that we have? And um, if you were to ask me a uh, number of years ago what, uh, what my view is on Sabbath worship probably would have given a lot of the pat answers that are given. There are a number of different approaches that people take. Some believe that uh, the Sabbath day is now uh, the first day of the week uh, and it changed when the Lord rose from the dead and uh, they believe that uh, that that is the Sabbath now. In fact, I shared with you uh, an author from uh, oh, probably a couple hundred years ago, Adam Clark, who uh, has written some conservative commentaries who is of that opinion. and uh, and shares that he's convinced it was established by God and that it was changed and that the Christians today are worshiping on the Sabbath. Uh, Others would give different reasons, but we do want to come to the conclusion that God does in his word. Uh, Is a Christian under the Old Testament law? Is a Christian under the the law of God? Now, a lot of Christians in discussing this, uh, some again say that the Sabbath day has changed, others in discussing the ten commandments say well uh, christians today are not under the ceremonial law but they are under the moral law and i'm not sure how they explain this because the sabbath to me doesn't seem like a ceremonial law and yet that is how, how they often will reason and they'll say well that was that was a ceremonial law and it really wasn't and it isn't a ceremonial law uh, but that's how uh, some try to explain but we want to find out from the word of god and we are in roman numeral three in our outline and, uh, and maybe we ought to just kind of get you there again, all right? So give me a few minutes if, I, if you would. And let me just kind of uh, walk you through what we've already discussed because you kind of got to understand where we've come from to understand where we're going uh, this evening. This evening we're going to spend a, a lot of time looking up different scriptures. But uh, we started by, beginning, uh, by sharing with you the situation that caused tension among believers. You see... This problem or this question about what about the Old Testament law and Christians was actually a problem that was was present and prevalent in the early church, right at the beginning stages of the church. In Acts chapter 15, there was a situation that arose where there were some Jews that came to Antioch, where Paul and Barnabas were in the and the and the church that really actually was the In in some ways, the church of Jerusalem was, you would say, the main church, but the church of Antioch was where missionaries were sent out. Paul and Barnabas went out from their missionary journeys, sent out by this church. It was really, a, if you would, a central point for Christianity, and it was important that this issue be dealt with because some Jews came from Jerusalem, and they said, hey, except you be circumcised and follow the law, you're not saved. That's a serious charge. And that's a very important thing to deal with. Well, Paul and Barnabas got into a debate with him, an argument about this very issue. So much so that they decided they would send Paul and uh, Barnabas and a number of other people back to Jerusalem to talk with James, uh, who was the leader of the church in Jerusalem, and the apostles, and to get their ideas and their thinking in this regard. You say, well, why did they do that? A couple of reasons. They didn't have the rest of the Bible. And have the New Testament, it was uh, was getting ready to be written. Um, The apostles were the authorities. They were the ones that sat under the ministry and life of Jesus Christ, and they heard him preach and teach, and they heard all the things he taught, and they were going to embark on sharing with the church through the rest of the New Testament, starting the book of Romans, we would say, and on through the rest of the New Testament, all the things Jesus taught them. And so... They hadn't yet done that, so we were to go back to Jerusalem, talk with the apostles, find out what the thinking was, and then we would go from there. And what was the conclusion? What did James tell them? There was a big... By the way, they went back to Jerusalem. Big debate again. So here they are. They got this this thing going on in the the church. Same issue we're talking about today, a couple thousand years later, and now we got Seventh-day Baptists who say we're supposed to do this. So... What was the answer James gave? Me? Anyone know? Remember? Say, wow! It's up since then. I have two. We've had a few things go on since then. Okay, James said, we're not going to bother the Gentiles with this Old Testament law. We haven't even lived under it ourselves and been successful. Ultimately, that's what he said. So he said, we're not going to bother them with that. We are going to tell them to avoid things that are offered to idols. We're going to tell them a couple things, but they are no longer under the law. They don't have to be circumcised, or they're not under the law. They don't have to be circumcised. They don't have to follow those things. Here are a couple of suggestions, which teaches us a number of things we need to know and actually answer some of the questions we might have. Because that means the law and the, the things we find in the law still have value because some of the things he shared about what they were supposed to do were related and, and part of the law. So there is a relation a Christian has to the law, but there's not an obligation. There's a difference. And that's what he shared when he gave that answer. He said, they're not under the law, and we aren't going to put those things that that, uh, were put upon us as Jews... Um, no, we're going to go on. And that was the agreed uh, upon thing. They sent letters to the church at, at Antioch, and the problem was resolved. So the situation, there was debate and dissension, the, the determination, uh, and then the declaration by James and the church, as the, and this problem was solved. But it's interesting because it wasn't solved. Then they had the problem at Galatia, which the churches in Galatia were part of or in the area of where the Antioch church uh, was So there were still issues, and Paul dealt with those in the book of Galatians. In the book of Colossians, there were people that were saying you had to worship on the Sabbath. We looked at that once again uh, this morning in Sunday school in Colossians chapter 2, and he says, don't let anyone judge you in regard to uh, the Sabbath or those different feast days. You're not uh, under obligation. So they had to deal with this issue. In, in the book of Romans, he dealt with the issue as well. So let me tell you something, the rest of the New Testament deals with and talks about the relation of the Christian and the law, and it's amazing to me that there's even a debate about it, because there are answers in the Bible, and we're getting to that. The schools of thought, there's basically three ideas regarding the law and the Christian, all right, and these are what we shared. Some believe the law is binding on believers, and if you don't know, They're wrong, okay? But I just wanted you to, 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 uh, we needed to share those things, those schools of thought. Some make a distinction between moral law and ceremonial law. And Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 is the verse that they will often turn to and say, well, we're not under ceremonial law, but we should follow the Ten Commandments. And again, we'll explain that a little bit later on. Number three, some believe, letter C, the law is no longer applicable. Um, And in fact, Uh, Today, which is interesting, our debate is on the other side now where the law has no regard. We shouldn't pay attention to the law. We're not under the law. We're under grace. So basically, don't bother me. Let me live the life I want to live. By the way, that is Christianity today. In, in, In a whole, what's going on in the new evangelical? And I know they keep changing. their. It was the emerging church. It was there's all different names. But the new evangelicals of a number of years back, Where they have come to is this, basically, we never criticize anyone because because the the truth is you can do whatever you want. We're saved by grace, and we're free in Christ, and don't ever go back to the law and legalism, and don't ever look at the law, and don't ever judge people in any way, shape, or form. That's the kind of Christianity we have today. And that actually is the bigger issue than probably Seventh-day Baptists that we struggle with. And what I love about this is we're answering both because we're, we're trying to find out and we're, we're finding out in the word of God what God has to say about it. And so we looked at the, um, uh, those three different views and let, we started, begin. Be, be, yes, we did. You know that? Yeah. You know, pastors get tongue-tied all the time. You know, this one does. All right, straightforward Bible truths in Roman number three to guide our thinking. And the first truth, um, which we, we need to state, is from the time of Abraham, the Jew has been under the law. The reason I had you in uh, Exodus 31 is because we mentioned it, but I wanted you to see this. Look at Exodus 31 and verse 16. He said, Wherefore, the children of Israel. Notice it's the children of Israel. He doesn't say this to other people. He's not saying to everyone. This is to the children of Israel. Is that clear? All right. You got that, and I'm not trying to be smart here. I'm just trying to make it clear. Wherefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel for how long? Forever. So get this. Since the time of Abraham... There were expectations given to the Jews. The law began. Now, I know we've already discussed it, so I'm not going to get into that long discussion about why. But the law started with Abraham. Even though the law wasn't given until Moses' The law, started with Abraham and circumcision. And Paul actually references that in Romans chapter 4 when he goes back and he says, you know, Abraham was saved before there ever was law. And then he got circumcised after that. He got saved by faith, just like everyone gets saved today. And that's a beautiful picture. It's a wonderful lesson. And it teaches us something about the law and the Christian today. Um, But here in Exodus 31, do you see that it's really very clear that this is something that the Jews are supposed to observe, and they are to be observing it today, and they are to continue to observe it until, until there is time no more. That is the obligation that Jews have, uh, to follow the law of God, specifically in regard to, and it's interesting, the Sabbath. Okay, oh, that's what God says, and the Jew is still under obligation. The Jew always has been under the law and will continue to be under the law. Does that change for the Jew? Actually, not according to this passage. But if you read the New Testament and you clearly understand what it teaches. Jews who come to faith in Christ, completed Jews, sometimes we call them, those who come to the understanding they need Jesus Christ and receive him are no longer under the law either. They're under grace. And we're going to see that actually taught here today as we're in Roman numeral two or where we're picking up. The Gentile has never been under the law. And this is important, is not placed under it after salvation. Now, we're going to spend some time, and you're going to have to go around some different passages, and I want you to see how many times the Bible talks about this. But let me say one more thing before we get there, all right? I know it's been kind of trying to get you on the same page, all right? So we're thinking this through. When the Seventh-day Baptists and other people who believe and support this idea that Christians are still under the law, when they give their arguments— at least the arguments I've read and the materials I've read, they give a number of arguments, but they have no argument uh, after the book of Romans. And there's a reason why they have no r- argument after the book of Romans. Because there are only two places after the book of Romans where you even see the word Sabbath. And one is in Colossians chapter 2, which says, in essence, the Sabbath is no longer in effect. Which is Interesting. Every argument in the New Testament in, from the book of Romans all the way through the end of the, the New Testament, every argument is the law has no effect, the law has no effect, the law has no effect. The law is not a re- responsibility of the Christian any longer. The Christian is never under the law. The Christian does not have an obligation to live under the law. That's every argument in the rest of the New Testament. And it's even the arguments that are found in the book of Acts. And you say, is that important? yes. Because listen, the marching orders you and I have as Christians, as the church, are established from the book of Romans and on through the rest of the New Testament. You say, wait a second, don't the Gospels have instructions for us? Yeah. Does the Old Testament have instructions for us? Yes. Okay? But Christianity and the church, the instructions to the church, and the rules and the guidelines, if you would, that the church have are from the book starting in Romans chapter 1 and through the rest of the New Testament. If you don't find it taught there, then it's not an obligation for a Christian. And what you will find is that there's no mention ever in the re- in, from Romans 1 through the end that a Christian is under the law. Never. And every argument that is about law is that Christians aren't under it. Every argument. And that is powerful, and it's important for you to understand so when someone, some Seventh-day Baptist comes up to you and says, well, why don't you worship on the, on the Sabbath? Uh, as a Christian, you can say, uh, as, a, as a believer, New Testament tells me that we're no longer, we were never under the law. It's, in fact, we're not, it's not that we're no longer under the law. If you're a Gentile, you never were under the law. Um, we're saved by grace through faith, uh, apart from the law, and the law has no bearing on the Christian. And the Gentile has never been under the law, is not placed on it after salvation. Now, that was dealt with in Acts 15. Okay, you already got that? You already understand that? It was dealt with in that situation where they said, hey, you can't do this. All right, now, let's go look in the New Testament, and let's go to a few passages and take a look at what God has to say. You've got to go to the book of Galatians if you're going to discuss this matter of the law and the Christian, the book of Galatians. So turn to Galatians chapter 2, if you would. And I do want to encourage you to look up these verses with me. And and so we're going to take a little time. This point, you say, Pastor, um, you know, you only have two points to get done, but I'm not even going to get through this point, I don't think. We'll see. All right? But the reason why is because you need to look up these verses and see them, and I want you to observe what God says because it is so clear. In fact, quite honestly, uh, when, when I, I read the articles that the Seventh-day Baptists, it was kind of like, oh, wow, you know, there's some sound reasoning that they give. But when you look at the rest of the Bible, when you look at the New Testament and what it teaches, you have to say, these people don't know what they're talking about. Galatians chapter 2, verse 11 says, when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to blame, to be blamed. Well, what was going on? There was an issue where uh, he was eating with Gentiles. When the Jews came, uh, James, uh, certain came from James, the church at Jerusalem. He withdrew and separated himself because he feared the, the, the Jews that were still pressing this idea of the law is important. So get this. Peter was acting like a Jew who wasn't under the law. Hello? do you get that point? And when the Jews came from Jerusalem, Peter all of a sudden said, oh, yeah, I don't want to have any problem with these guys. That is an amazing thing because Peter usually didn't worry about what anyone thought about anything. It's true. You look at Peter and Peter is just like, yeah, I'll never deny you. I mean, Peter was that kind of guy. But here he, he let this situation control himself, and so much so that it was affecting the rest of the church. And you know what Paul's argument was? He said, he said look, the Gentiles are under, under the law, and you need to stop this. And I think it's amazing that Paul rebuked Peter. That would have been the last thing you would have ever thought of happening as far as the church is concerned because Peter was very influential in the church. By the way, he wasn't the first pope, but that's another message for another time. Um, but uh, so so we have this situation comes up, and um, the Jews got uh, it caused actually Barnabas to get caught up in it, and he rebuked him. Look at verse fourteen, but when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, if thou being a Jew livest after the manner of Gentiles and not as do the Jews, why compel us thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? So in other words, this is the issue going on. Are we under the law? Are we not under the law? And Peter, by his actions, were saying, yeah, you need to start following the law, Gentiles, because he separated and uh, because that's what the law says, which is an amazing thing um, that it was happening actually in the church. And, and he said... Look, verse 16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, for by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, what does God say? No flesh will be justified. No man has ever been justified by following the law. No man ever will. And here's the reason why, because no man has ever followed the law. No man has ever followed the law perfectly. They can't. We're going to learn that a little bit later on. But he deals with this issue. And verse 19, he says, For I through the law am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. The amazing thing. You know what Paul said? I, through the law, ultimately, I came to Christ, but I'm dead to the law now. That I might live unto God. I'm crucified with Christ. Great passage. And uh, we might m- mention that one more time. Um, Verse 21: I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. In other words, we are saved by grace through faith. We're not under the law. Never have been under the law. Never will be under the law. Do you get that point? That's Paul. Paul made that in chapter two. Say, okay, uh, you know that's not all that convincing. Look in chapter three in verse 19. Wherefore, then, serveth the law. It was added because of transgressions, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was ordained by angels in the hand of the mediator. All right, so what was the law? What, what benefit is the law? It was added because of sin. Because sin was so prevalent, God said, all right, I'm just going to give my chosen people the law, and they're going to have it before them. They're going to be able to follow it. And by the way, God made no distinction between moral and ceremonial and you can't find and this is why i would have given this argument years ago but this is why this argument the silliness about well the moral law and the ceremonial law are different are different things he never made that distinction and it's not made in the rest of the new testament unless you want to argue colossians chapter two but paul was saying look you got the law you got faith We're saved by faith, we're not saved by the law, we're not under the law. And he said the law does serve a purpose. It shows us that we're sinful people, we don't measure up. Verse 23, before faith came, we were kept under the law. Who was the we? That would be Jews. We were kept under the law, shut up until the faith which should afterward be revealed. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by... Faith. All right. So, what served the, what did the law do? You know what the law did the law say? You are a dirty rotten sinner. That's what the law said. You don't measure up. You need something and you can't do it yourself. But someone did it for you. Jesus Christ. And he fulfilled every jot and tittle of the law. He was the perfect sacrifice hebrews talks about that so that believers now in who put their faith in jesus christ are saved but the law brought us to that point we didn't know we couldn't understand and we couldn't grasp he said talking really primarily to jewish people saying we couldn't understand or grasp our need until we saw the law that said guilty and so you look in the next couple verses and he reiterates that idea um, in, in this passage, the law was our schoolmaster, verse 24, to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, what does God say in verse 25? And this is why we say the Jews no longer have to follow the law once they get saved. Okay, who's the schoolmaster? The law. Okay, the law brought us to Christ and said, You need a Savior. And when you find the Savior, you don't need the law any longer. Oh, what? Are you a new evangelical? You better know I'm not. And we'll explain that later. But Paul was really clear. And uh, he says for a year all children of God verse 26 by faith in Christ Jesus and so in this passage it's that is that the schoolmaster schoolmaster's gone so that not only Gentiles who were never under the law don't get placed under a law when they get saved Jews who are under the law are no longer under the law because the schoolmaster brought them to Christ and they got Christ so they don't need the schoolmaster any longer You say, well, then we can live the way we want, license to do whatever we want. No liberty. Liberty to live for God. And we'll get to that later, and I already kind of stole my thunder a little bit on what we'll talk about later on. So the believing Jew and the Gentile is no longer under a schoolmaster. They say, oh, come on, really? Is that what Paul was teaching? Look in verse chapter 5. Someone read verse one. All right, this is he's been dealing with this issue all the way through. You gotta follow the law, you gotta follow the law. Once you trust Christ, you gotta follow the law. You're not saved any longer. And Paul just keeps hammering this idea. I'm gonna deal with Peter, who, who caused some rift about this and caused problems. I'm gonna tell the church that though they were Jews, that though they were under the law, once they trusted Christ, the schoolmaster is no longer needed. We're done. It's over, it's gone. Stand fast in that liberty where with Christ hath made you free. Don't be entangled with that yoke of bondage. Don't go back there. Don't say you gotta follow, you gotta be in church on the Sabbath. Don't say you gotta you gotta do this and you gotta do that, and you gotta follow this law and you gotta follow that law. Because we're not under the law any longer as far as Jews once they're saved and believers just, they need to stand fast in that liberty. Do you, do you get this point? Do you see how clearly Galatians makes this whole thing? Actually, quite honestly, we didn't have to look anywhere else, but Galatians answered this question very clearly. And, and if, you're, if there's still question about it, look at verse 18. But if you be led of the Spirit, and Christians are led of the Spirit because we have the Spirit of God. What does God say? You're not under the law. So, as you say, but wait a second, that gets to the other. You're trying to go to the next question. We're still dealing with this question here. We are not under the law. Do you get that? Not under the law. Christian, As a Gentile, I have never in my life been under the law. I've been saved for a number of years now. I'm still not under the law. Never have been under the law. Now, um, I have no problem if someone puts up the Ten Commandments. In fact, it would really be helpful to our, our world if they would see the Ten Commandments and have them before their face because the Ten Commandments are very valuable for lost people. Are they not? You know, you know what they do? Same thing they did to the Jew. They told the Jew, you don't measure up. So it's good for us to see those things and be reminded of that fact. Now you say, "Well, that's just the church at Galatia." Well, I'm glad you brought that up. Look in the book of Romans, if you would. Romans chapter two. Romans chapter two. They'll say, "Well, Galatians is dealing with salvation and 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 legalism and whether you're saved by by following the law." Is that the only passage? And the answer is no. In Romans chapter two, and verse fourteen. He says, for when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these, having not the law, are a law unto themselves. This is interesting. In the first three chapters of Romans, he's dealing with the issue of Jews being under the law and actually Gentiles not. But he concludes in Romans 1, 2, and 3, we're all sinners. Because Gentiles have within their heart and in their mind and their conscience a knowledge of good and evil, right and wrong. They got that from God. God gives them the ability, I'm thankful for that. God gives Gentiles the ability, even apart from the law, to understand we don't measure up. So what Paul argues is this. Jews already know they don't measure up because they can't follow the law. Gentiles, they don't have the law, but you know what? They're a law to themselves, and they don't, they don't measure up to that law. Isn't it interesting? You know, in worldly, in, in worldly governments, Gentile worlds, there are all sorts of laws and regulations that are made. You know why? Because we know there needs to be rules and regulations. And here's the truth. Gentiles don't measure up to what Gentiles think are supposed. To, we're supposed to do. And so these things, this, this law of Gentiles to themselves... And the Jews under the law of God, both of them are found guilty before a holy God, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. That is the argument of these first three chapters in the book of Romans. And then he goes in chapter three and verse nineteen. He says, "We know that, um, and now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God." Paul is arguing in Romans that what the Jews were doing was saying, well, we got the law from God and because we have the law and because we seek to follow it, we are godly. And what Paul says is, no, you're not. You failed the law. And so you may have the law, you may be the one who was given the law, and you may be the the ultimate carriers of the law because you're Jews. But you're just as lost as the Gentiles. You're just as bad as them. You sin just like they have. Gentiles know it. And and Jew, you need to understand it. We have all failed before a holy God. Are, are you seeing how, how much this argument is made? And it's amazing to me. Honestly, I, I don't think, I don't, I don't understand how a Baptist could be a Sabbath day Baptist, a seventh day Baptist. I, I, I it doesn't even make sense. Because this whole, the whole tenor, of the first four chapters of Romans is the law has no bearing. Now you say, well, if that's not enough, pastor, you haven't convinced me yet. What do I need to do? Okay, look in chapter six then. Look in chapter six of Romans. And here's where we have the verse that is often quoted by the New Evangelical crowd. For sin shall not have dominion over you, verse 14, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. If you wonder where the verse the statement came from, we're not under the law, but under grace, it's here. But his point is, you're not under the law. Now, what's interesting is, because this answers the new evangelicals, and I don't want to go off there because I'm going to come back to that. All right, but this answers the new evangelicals. Shall we sin then? That uh, because that grace may abound, because we're not under the law. And he says, God forbid. Don't live that way. There's still things that a Christian is supposed to do, but we are not under the law. Um, look, if you would in. Um, uh, let me see if I can find it real quickly because I just had it, all right? And, um, uh, go to Romans chapter 7 and look in verse 6. I love this. But now we are to follow the law. Is that, is that what you... Okay, I don't know what translation you're reading, but I didn't read it as mine, mine says it. What, what does it say then? were delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. And then he goes on and says, is the law sin? No, the law isn't sin. But he said, I wouldn't have known sin except by the law. I wouldn't know lust except the Bible says I'm not supposed to lust. So so here's the point. The law kept telling me I'm a sinner. So it's good, it's valuable, it's helpful. It's not useless, but we're not under it. We're saved by grace through faith. Isn't that encouraging? I don't know about you, but it's very encouraging. Because when the Jew had this law they had to follow, they kept they kept being reminded, you don't measure up. In fact, every week they had to do what Roman Catholics do. They had to go to the confessional and they had to offer, uh, offer on the altar a lamb because they didn't measure up. Do you get the Old Testament law? kept saying, you don't measure up, so you need to sacrifice. And Jesus took care of all that. God. It's careful. You're a sinner. You can't do anything about it. I fulfilled the law. Every jot and tittle of it, it's complete. It's cared for. So trust me. And if you'll trust me, your sins are cared for justified by faith and there is no law that holds you any longer it's beautiful it really is a beautiful picture given throughout the New Testament do you do you see how often he talks about this alright so then and we're going to leave it here and we're going to come back to this and I hope you will continue to be with us because we're going to answer the new evangelicals next time But let me give you the next point. All Christians have a new law, the law of Christ. And I'll explain that a little bit further. Because there's people who argue that we need to follow the Old Testament law, and they reference John 14, 15. So look there, would you? In in an article that said, Ten Reasons Why We Should Worship on the Sabbath by this group that, that, um, that I came across on the, on the internet. Um, uh, very Again, very, they take time to reason out, and they give all sorts of reasons. They, they debate the rest of the New Testament verses that people use in argument, and then they give you the arguments. There's no argument they give after the Book of Romans, because they don't have any argument to give after the Book of Romans. At the starting with the book of Romans, because there's nothing starting in the book of Romans that talks about a Christian being under the law. Every argument is we're not. But when they give their argument, they turn to one of the passages they turn to is Romans. I mean, sorry, John chapter 14, and verse 15. And what does God say? <laughs> oh, wait a second, Pastor, you just uh, you just totally threw out everything we've been talking about. All right. Um, What was Jesus teaching there? Was he saying that that, uh, if you love me, you're supposed to go back and follow the Old Testament commandments? Is, Is that what Jesus Christ was saying? No, he was not. And you actually will find it in John chapter 14, 15, and 16. Like, for example, a new commandment I give unto you. What was one of the new commandments Jesus Christ gave? That you love one another as I have loved you. Jesus did give some commandments. He gave some instructions. And a Christian, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we're placed under the law of Christ. Not so much that there's a bunch of rules and regulations. There's ten commands we're supposed to follow. But the law of Christ is ultimately this. He gave himself for me, and I want to be like him. Now, let me tell you something. Being like Jesus Christ, you won't steal. Being like Jesus Christ, you won't take the Lord's name in vain. Being like Jesus Christ means that you won't commit adultery. Being like Jesus Christ means you're going to follow the Ten Commandments, but not because you're under the law, or at least nine of the commandments, but because you're like Jesus Christ. And that is the law that God has placed us under. Do you remember when I was reading Galatians chapter 2, we came to a place where Paul said this, I'm not under the law. He says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. You know what he's talking about? He was talking about the law of Christ. I now want to glorify this one who gave himself for me. And we'll talk more about that, and we'll look at this next time we have opportunity. But I hope you will come, and I hope you will be here for this last part because... We give answer to this, and we see what the Bible has to say in a lot of different places about what a Christian is supposed to do now. No law anymore, not under the law under grace. New evangelicals are right in that, but they're wrong in their conclusion about it and what it means. But they are indeed right when they say a Christian is not under the law. Now, if you have questions after that, I don't know how much else I can help you, but I'd be glad to talk with you about it. But it's pretty clear from the New Testament that a Christian is no longer under the law, but they're under grace. And I believe in Colossians chapter 2, and that one verse also even supports the idea that is found in these other passages we've spent a lot of time looking at tonight. But it's important for us to do it and understand these things.